of our David Krumholtz <laughs> series, The Santa Claus. Yeah, David Krumholtz month here in November. You thought it was for Thanksgiving. It was for David Krumholtz. I sure hope that's his name because we've said it three times now. Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we exclusively review David Krumholtz films <laughs> and see if they're any good. My name is DJ. I'm Damon. Krumholtz. That's David, Damon, Damon Krumholtz. Damon Krumholtz. His brother? Welcome to... It's Tis David Krumholtz season. I have had, uh, you know, older women tell me that I have an air of David Krumholtz about me. You know, I haven't specifically been told I look like David Krumholtz, but I could see that happening. <laughs> the days and weeks to come who knows when people start watching uh you know start watching santa claus as well as like watching numbers again like just reviewing the past (laughs) seasons of numbers Uh that'll be really nice and and i think people will be like you know who you look like that guy from numbers but not that guy no no not that guy no the other guy no that's peter mcnichol who was in adam's family values with david Holtz. do you think they were like oh thank god we get to work again together no okay they probably <laughs> what do you remember about this movie uh thank you for asking uh well i think i saw this possibly in theaters i have no affiliation mm. for this movie but except i my mom gave it to me for christmas the oh, yeah. movie the vhs mm-hmm. in my stocking and i remember actually uh she came home one early december morn <laughs> and i saw it in her car and i was like why did mom pick up the santa claus like it didn't even process like she might be getting it for, for me for christmas because it was so disassociated from my own personality <laughs> i was like why did, would she pick that up and why is she brought it up since that she bought the santa claus and then i found it in my uh stocking i was like oh thanks thanks mom but i have seen it a few times uh i remember not liking the child in it yeah and judge reinhold is in this isn't he judge reinhold he's the stepdad kind of or soon to be star of mock trial with jay reinhold yeah um i remember liking this movie i i think think it's Okay, but this was with like, Christmas movies, I feel like some people the bar gets really low, and they're like, "I love this." Thing. We already talked about that with Love Actually, where it's just yeah. like, "Yeah, that was fine." I have no negative memories about it, so I guess I will now make it a Christmas tradition and watch it every year. This is, I mean, we'll see how we'll have to see how like the execution of it, how I'm remembering it versus how it actually is. But I, I think the premise is interesting. You know, like how, how would you have a new Santa Claus? What would happen if Santa Claus dies? Can Santa Claus die? It does raise the question that Santa Claus is not immortal, but people are constantly killing him inadvertently mm. or advertently. <laughs> and, um, and that is causing people to have to then take on the mantle. If I accidentally hit Santa Claus with my car, I have to like become him for, a time for time and more until you're and there's murdered? no way out yeah there's no way out what if a, what if a jewish guy hits santa claus he's not jewish what anymore. if a muslim man kills santa claus what if a woman kills santa claus wow I so i feel like it joke. raises a lot of questions about yeah. how santa claus works yeah do you have to what if so what if someone like found out about this like a friend of scott calvin in this movie wow tim tim allen's character you've been doing your research no i haven't i just really remember this um what if you know like he finds out about this believes him like what if judge reinhold's character decides i want to be santa claus and kills he him murders him does he also like we need to read this clause more carefully in the movie because i don't even know if we ever hear the words to it i guess we probably do maybe i th- 
I think it's David, just David like David Crumpholtz probably lets us know. I think it's just like a business card, if I remember. Like he finds it in the pocket or something while he's going through Santa's dead pockets <laughs> and then stealing his transportation. His pockets are alive. They're still alive. They're doing fine. His pockets are alive. I call them his dead pockets. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> um, his deadness transfers to his pockets. Says. What else? Isn't like. Um, there's no Rudolph, but one of the reindeers like has a toot or something. He's like blitz. I believe he gets. There's a farting reindeer, or at least a reindeer farts. Sure. And uh, I also have to say, the fact that Tim Allen's in it at all, like, puts it at a very specific point in history, like Art Deco architecture. When you see Tim Allen in a movie as himself, not as Buzz Lightyear, his right. voice is one thing. Right. His physicalness is another. Well, this is like mid in this middle of uh this home is home, this is peak yeah hi time yeah what else so we've got fire the child reindeer. is obnoxious i feel like the child is very like whiny and it's one of those movies where it wants me to like go wow out of the mouths of babes true mm. wisdom and i'm like this kid is fucking wrong this, this guy is- has a job that he like Ha- like he can't just leave a life behind to become an immortal like symbol of christian but he is a dick. like he's a dick in the movie right well like, he's like he's, a, i don't know if he's a dick he's not like a scrooge character but no. he's more like a cynical like yeah but he like christmas means money character yeah he doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't spend enough time with his kid he's he, you know, yeah that kind of, he, kind of he takes him to De- he doesn't yeah he takes him to denny's for christmas dinner or something i mean and I Denny's, actually, I bet, paid lucratively to be treated as, like, the place that deadbeat dads go to take their children for Christmas dinner. I have a feeling, like, it's it's put so prominently. It's, like, so clearly yeah. Denny's, like, Denny's signs, Denny's name tags. It's like, Denny's, do you understand what advertising is? <laughs> you want you to- should want me to go. <laughs> It's like those Skittles commercials, which make Skittles disgusting. They're like, I'm like, they're no, like no, no. Zits you or made something. me not want to eat Skittles. Is this... How old is the kid in this? I think he's like in the seven range. I'm really, I'm notoriously bad for aging children, like for naming the age of children. I would have gladly gone to Denny's on Christmas evening at the eight. Oh yeah. You you probably get a smiley face and whipped cream on your, yeah, yeah. All that shit. Are you kidding me? Moons over my hammy. Hand me me over that. Moons over my hand me that pancake. My good sir. I said to the... (laughs) The, to the poor the person slop, at work on the Christmas. slop chef at fucking Denny's. Is Denny's open on Christmas? They paid for the spot in the movie. Yeah. They better fucking be. Anyway. I bet they do. We're going to watch Santa Claus on Amazon, I think. I think, uh, I think. I think it's important that a movie brings in legal contract verbiage into christmas i think that's the only thing missing from christmas you have to get it you have legal obligations can i get can i get one iota of credit not me can the creators of this movie get one iota of credit which is also for the clause clause homonym i will say this about it to disney corpse credit and the legacy of the late corpse of disney uh, and the corpse of Santa Claus. It has forever reminded me how to spell the name Santa Claus. Right. Because I think at the time I would have been like, I, is there an E? Right. 
Um, but now I know, no, there is not an E because the whole joke rests so on the that fact on that you add an E. I'm not sure I knew. I mean, I'm sure I had heard the word clause before, but I'm not sure I knew it in this context. I knew like the grammar context, a clause, but I don't think I knew it in the like legal sense until this mm-hmm. movie. Cause I mean, we would have been like 12 when this came out. So right, there, you shouldn't have been through a lot of legal I mean, disputes. I was a child actor who had signed a lot of contracts, <laughs> but my mom and dad handled that. When you're thinking about what to do this holiday season, why not subscribe to our podcast, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Can we get sued for this? Yeah, pretty sure. But you know what? That was under 30 seconds. You know what would help cover our lawsuits? Subscribe to our podcast. Flawless segment. Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Was I on beat? Because that would have been the first time. In I my think life. my snapping might have gotten off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to help. Look, I don't know the difference. Professional musician. <laughs> well, that we experienced a film. <laughs> we sat in a room where eyes were directed in the same general area i would i dare say we got k holst <laughs> david krumholtz he back again guess who's back <laughs> k holtz is back <laughs> um we watched uh, the santa claus um everyone in this movie oh are dicks <laughs> The moral is that everyone made the wrong choice on an ethical spectrum. Um, Do you want to recap this? You know what? I would love to. Thank you for asking. We're going to get a quick recap from our pal, Damon. Go! Thank you for calling us our pal, which makes me feel like I'm not part of the R. Listen, me and the audience have been doing this podcast for a while, (laughs) and you're the new guy, so get used to how that feels. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, So this movie focuses on a marketing executive for a toy company named Scott Calvin, and he is now Santa Claus. That's all you gave me in terms of... I gave you five (laughs) seconds. That was... Hold on. I want to... Okay. So you get longer than five seconds. He uh, has a kid. He's a divorced man. He has a kid. The kid has been taught by his mother and his stepfather that Santa doesn't exist. <laughs> Red wine. Um, <laughs> I'll allow it. But Scott Calvin kills Santa inadvertently. Manslaughter, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we're, we'll talk about that. And... Uh, Thus becomes Santa, takes on the duties of Santa through reasons, and um, over the course of the following year, begins to take on the physical attributes of Santa, Mm. while his extended family, including his wife and, or ex-wife and her husband, Mm -hmm. begin to question his sanity. And uh, then the following year, he's uh, Santa for realsies and, uh, you know, saves the day. And he, he uh, delivers presents, really. There's also a sexual tension between him and an elf who's 1,200 years old but looks 14. Not. She doesn't look 14. She looks she looks like 
10, Again, as I said 11. in the earlier part, I can't do the ages. Yeah. Especially when they're elfed. Yeah, when they're yeah. elf on the shelf. Yeah. We're going to get into a lot of stuff here. We've got copious <laughs> notes, both of us do. We do. Um, a lot of mine are in caps. I don't know about you, but a lot of mine are just... Always in, a good like, sign. A lot of all caps with exclamation points and question marks. That's when you know you got a fun cast coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, Apostrophe Everyone cast. is very testy in this. The The kid is testy to the dad, even though he's trying his best. Obviously, the dad is kind of a, is played as kind of a dick. And he's kind of testy. The the ex wife is text, testy. The the um, stepdad the Neil, Neil is Neil, effeminate. Judge and Reinhold's testy. character, yeah, he's and wears Cosby sweaters, which is a point of some uh, lackluster jokes. Yeah. Also, um, first, I'm gonna right out of the, right out of the gate. I got a problem with this movie because they're having a corporate Christmas party on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Dick move. That's. That's just not a thing anywhere ever, is it? Because that means you're hungover on Christmas when you're hanging out with your family, which only makes it worse. You want to be drunk on Christmas with your family. I guess it's certainly not a toy company. That's crazy. Yeah. What was the name of the fucking doll they created they were so fucking proud of? Mary so Do It Yourself. This movie. Yeah, it was like Mary's doing it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Dolly Do-Right. What that's was what that? It was, it was that's, shit. That's, that's it, like Dolly. Actually, honestly, and I don't say this because I'm so arrogant, but I am a little arrogant. Mm-hmm. I think Dolly Do-Right is not the name of the, the it's thing. It's Dudley Do-Right. But it's better than what they came <laughs> up with. There's Everything in this movie seems like we're going to come up with a better joke later, but just use that as filler for what we're going to yeah, do. I have, I and know. then someone died, and they were like, I think this is the finished script. Go with it. Film it. They're like, no, that was the first draft. No, I'm trying to t- talk to you behind the grave. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, $118 million? I guess you don't care. Go to hell, dead guy. Um, yeah, I put this script, <laughs> Yikes. There's a lot of problems, and say what you will about uh, Tim the Tool Man Taylor, uh, Tim Allen, which we will in this movie. We'll say many things that we will. Uh, I will say that what I will. Most of of my problems with this are not his fault, unless he wrote it. Wow, that is a different take than what... I won't tell you what I think, but that's a different take than what I... I'm not saying he's like... Lawrence Olivier or anything. I'm not saying he's like elevating this film. Yeah, we do agree on that. But most of my problems are are really poorly written jokes. Like when you're when you're like, if you saw it on a page, I don't know what else you could do with it to make it better, other than you know improvise a, a, a better joke. But like <laughs> the he's got a lot of jokes uh, where Neil is the butt of the joke, which is you know the uh, Judge the Ryan Holt's character. He's he's the like. Um, He's a psychiatrist. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a touchy-feely he's, guy. He's touchy-feely. Not in a gross way, which we have to clarify at every step. What in this day and age? What with all the goings-on? <laughs> um, he's touchy-feely in an emotional way. Yeah. And um, he might be a vegetarian based on at least one solid joke. We'll get to that. The, in the in the movie. He doesn't believe in Santa. He's really into reason and logic, presumably, on top of that. Um and he wears Cosby sweaters. Yeah. I mean, the best characterization for them are Cosby sweaters. Yeah. Um, but oh, but oh. <laughs> Whenever, yeah. actually, you know what? Whenever you need to cut out something out, just cut to but me. Oh, but oh, but oh. Just like a little. It's blurb. good. A little blurp. Yeah, all of the uh, insults that it, that are that are directed at Neil are half-assed. We, we described it at, like. <laughs> 
they had the cadence of a joke. They like had, had the delivery of a joke, but they didn't have the substance of a Sometimes joke. Sometimes I would start laughing until my brain was like, no, nothing funny was said. His head comes to a point and you're like, okay. He called him a pinhead at one point. I was like, what is this, the 1950s? Like, is anyone calling psychiatrists pinheads anymore? Yeah, they're very like, I wanted to be on board with it because they're jokes. I'm, I'm all for a good joke. I'm on a comedy podcast. Nominally. Yeah. Categorically. I've heard our own description of our show <laughs> call it that. <laughs> That's about how this movie could be categorized. <laughs> um, Reviews my- say comedy, according to Disney describing this movie. Like, yeah, that's a good way to put it, though, is it's like, I mean, which is kind of the genre film it's trying to do, like, the 50s kind of comedy, where, like, I am knucklehead, you know, it's like, <laughs> he says something about the deer, the reindeer having key Lyme disease, which is like, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna laugh, but I'll give you that that was an actual joke. Right. Whereas, like, his head comes to a point is like, okay, and you're saying he's a pinhead, I guess, which you already said, or you said again later. It's right. It's like, I guess that's good enough. Uh, I, I'm not sure I get it. And maybe that's on me for, maybe that, maybe we're a little too young for that. Right. But it is like a 1994 comedy aimed at children. True. So it makes you kind of wonder what they were. The other thing that, uh, there was another joke later on in the sort of pseudo climax of the film where, um, what does he say exactly? Scott says to Neil, what are you going to do? Uh, what happens when you run out of uh, sweaters when the circus leaves town? Yeah. Like, that was the joke? Yeah. And the sweater itself, like, you'd think with that kind of joke, it would be like a red and white striped sweater. But no, yeah. it was just like a regular Cosby-ish sweater. And I, I was like, well, yeah, that feels like a joke because you've got yeah. two disparate ideas, but you don't buy sweaters at a circus. GJ, I don't know if you know this. <laughs> But I've never purchased a sweater at a circus. What about my uh, Ringling Brothers sweater? I got that at Spencer's Gifts. Oh. Yeah. That was an ironic Ringling Brothers. I know I went, I had that whole weekend where I was doing trapeze workshops with Ringling Brothers, and I told you I bought it (laughs) there. But the truth is, like, after I left, I was like, shit. And you told me. I meant to get DJ a gift from the circus, what if I just get him this thing? You're a Hot wise topic. guy. You fed me a tall tale. <laughs> One could describe me as a pinhead. So Santa lands on the roof. Charlie hears it. Well, yes. okay, before, 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 it's Christmas Eve, and uh, it seems like Scott, Scott Calvin, our, our main character, Tim Allen's character, is doing his best. He's a bit of a dick, but... He tried to He's make a cynical capitalists. He tried to make like an eight course meal for the two of them, cook yeah. an entire turkey, which caught on fire. Which caught on fire. Which is, you know, like that could happen. I guess I don't know how you, whatever. But he tried really hard. He he like went to town on that meal and just fucked it up. Yeah, which is a thing. That's totally doable. People fuck up. Uh, we've all fallen from God's grace. I think like him original making, sin that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel like that was like a poor example of him. Like he they could have done a much better job of like sort of set him setting him up as a sort of absentee or not fun dad or whatever. But he like tried to like it seemed do like it the, yeah it seemed like the movie didn't know what 
his character was because yeah. I mean the movie goes to great lengths at the beginning to show that Scott is upset that his ex-wife and Neil have uh, I can't remember the ex-wife's name Susan Laura La- Laura Laura I think it's Laura uh, that Laura and Neil have taught their son Charlie uh, that Santa doesn't exist and he seems to be upset by that. Because he's a little kid, not because of any other. I mean, he just like sure. Wants- he's not a cynic, but he's not. He doesn't hate Christmas for any reason, yeah. and he he is upset that his child doesn't believe in Santa. But the movie doesn't really go into any idea. Like, what is it? Because his child, he he feels like his child is too young to not believe in Santa Claus, or is Scott Calvin full of the Christmas spirit? Yeah, the movie doesn't really make it clear. It seems like it's the the best glimpse we get is that he's sort of jealous of. Or, you know, uh, still upset to be split from his wife. He thinks right. they should still be a family unit and that he's But a little, he's not in love with his ex-wife. No, yeah, it, but he is sort of jealous uh, that his... Uh, that Neil's know, taking his place. Yeah, that Neil's taking his place and that Charlie prefers to be with his mom. And, but again, and, I would say that is a, that those are assumptions we have made that the movie doesn't really make clear. We know he doesn't seem to like Neil, but it could be because Neil is an effeminate vegetarian psychiatrist. Yeah, it he does... It, kind of leans that way but it, it isn't you're right that it is you isn't have to fill clear. in a lot of blanks yeah, i would true. agree with you that that's probably the case yeah. but i feel like we have to fill in a lot of blanks like for a movie aimed at children true and he's he's more upset about i think you're right though that that's why he's upset that he doesn't believe in santa claus anymore is that they did that neil and Outside laura did that without his authority and it's more about questioning his authority and you know growing apart from his child which he you know he wants to do the whole christmas thing and read him the the night before christmas and make the turkey dinner and all that kind of stuff right and so he does that he uh he tries to make the turkey dinner fucks it up they go to denny's so we get you know a funny scene where it's all dads single dads single dads that have messed up the turkey dinner that was funny genuinely funny funny. i will put it up on the board we got two, two laughs in oh, that two? scene. We got the we got that one, and then the little back and forth he has with the waitress because he says, "Well, they got apple, or was it? <laughs> They're out of everything. Yeah, pa- hot apple pie, hot apple pie." And she said, "We did." And he goes, "Okay," or something like that. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, they he reads to Charlie, and Charlie is like over it. Like Charlie yeah. seems yeah. to be. This also frustrated me about Charlie is that Being Charlie a whiny seems. Bitch. One, throughout the entire movie, Charlie's a whiny bitch. But in the first uh, portion of the movie, Charlie is very like, oh, why are you trying to force the Santa shit on me? Right. Is the attitude Charlie has. And then after reading uh, The Night Before Christmas... Charlie's like immediately on board, like, oh, what, what's this mean? What's a rose such a clatter? Rose what does that mean? Which is just a setup for a visual guy. Uh, and and like poorly rose. executed with very yeah. little payoff. Later we find out it's the rose such a ladder. It's a ladder. Shit. That goes That's up to just that. like lazy shit. They devoted, like if they had, if they had like put that in the background, I'd be like, huh, that's fun. But they... They dedicated more than 10 seconds to that, which is like, fuck you. Like, the, yeah, <laughs> it's piss poor. That should be like a, a, a Easter egg for Christmas nerds to find. <laughs> um, so uh, actually, the Rose of Clatter, um, <laughs> it disbanded in 1898, so it wouldn't even be around at the time. <laughs> Um, it was originally uh, a, a pagan festival called Saturnalia. 
Yeah. Okay. Can we? Can you I? You know just, what, can, Greg? That's can that's I just fine. buy a horsey for my niece? All right. Okay. So let's get to the criminal element. Okay. Yeah. We. So so Charlie still doesn't believe in Santa. Yeah. But here's something on the roof. Yeah. Right, and I want to talk about. I want to talk about the logical fallacy of all Santa movies. I want to save that for the end. Okay. That's a big one. Circle a big that one. on my notes. But so Charlie hears something on the roof. And logically, for a kid who doesn't believe in Santa Claus, he wakes maybe, up his dad. He goes to his dad and he's like, hey, wake up. There's something on the roof. Well, he thinks it's Santa. He said it. But ro- he also that's... like thinks it's Santa, yeah. which infuriates me already. Yeah. And Scott Calvin's like, shut up. Go to bed. Santa doesn't exist. It's basically the attitude. And he... I'm like, oh, so we're down to now you've completely flipped attitudes and Scott doesn't believe in Santa, but Charlie does. Yeah. Um, and so... It's really, it is very inconsistent. It's the more you think really about it. It's <laughs> really piss poor. Uh, Scott Calvin puts on, now this, I talked about what we were watching. And this isn't a fetish for me. I don't want to give the wrong idea. I, but sometimes you Whatever have, you're about to say, I'm so on board and listening to this. <laughs> I just want you to know. So the minute Tim Welcome Allen to appears. Damon's Fetish Corner. Featuring, we all know for, for many episodes now. <laughs> That this is basically unpacking all my sexual baggage. <laughs> the podcast. That's why we started this. But Tim Allen, and it's 1994, Tim Allen, you know, like, he's, hey. He's fine. He's not a model, but like, hey, he's got all his parts in the right place. He's got the face of a dad and the body of a fit dad. Dad bod. Yeah. But yeah. He, he is better than a dad bod. When he, he's, he's like a dad bod plus. I'm thinking of like Galaxy Quest when he like rips off his shirt. He's like, oh, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good okay. shape. All right, I'll give you that. So he wears, he's got his sleeping clothes on, which are yeah. boxers and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. He puts on a, a like a, a puffy quilted jacket, like a yeah. Gore-Tex cold out. Yeah. jacket, and then galoshes with uh-huh. his little boxer shorts. Uh-huh. And the minute he appeared on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, that might have been a thing. That. Like, it's not like I, I put it in the, you know, I didn't make, like, I didn't file it away. I didn't, like, put it in, like, my safety deposit box in my spank bank or anything. But it was just like, yeah, there's some baggage there. Not a lot of baggage. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, you know, like a little clutch that you would carry onto the plane. Like, it's just a tiny little, like, uh, here's a box of Tic Tacs I also brought on the plane with me. So not a full carry-on, but, you know. It's something in my pocket that I would have to put in that bowl before I went through TSA, like that kind of baggage. Like here, oh, I got to declare it before Coin I purse, go. If you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, does Tyler listen to this podcast? You know what? I think I can confidently say he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I'm going to have to he hears let my him voice. Know. He hears my voice at all times. I'm, but galoshes. I'm familiar with your shtick. A puffy a- jacket. <laughs> boxer shorts. So if he like and a t-shirt, if uh, your living boyfriend Tyler like showed up in that, what would would that be? Would that like do it for you, or what? How does this manifest itself? Just like you, okay? Hold on, that's what I back I, up, see, back up, back I, up. Back we've up. already now we've already put my too much stock in this. I'm just saying it's it's like the minute it appeared on stage or on on the screen, I was like th- that. I remember looking at that, and so when you're 12 years old and then you saw this movie, yes. what what? Are you talking about like what you were just like? I'm oh my I'm, brain, my brain and penis went oh mm, like that like okay. oh okay. 
But not, oh. Right, right, right. But like, all right. Okay. Okay. I'm aware of this. I see you over there, Tim Allen, in a jacket and and box shorts. I see you. All right. All right. I've got a lot of energy, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just looking around, just (laughs) looking around. No, thanks. I'm browsing. I'm at an Indian buffet. (laughs) I don't know the names of anything, (laughs) but I just want to (laughs) see... I just want to see what all this is. Oh, paneer. And I've oh, heard okay, of it. Yeah. And this looks like a spinach oh dish. God. Is this a spinach <laughs> dish? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get a spoonful, but I don't know. I may not finish it. Ooh. This is bread. I know naan is bread. I'm going to have that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I'm going to get a few of these. This is me. This Naan would be Taylor Hansen. Like, me just like, yeah, I'm going to get a few of these because I know I'm going to like this. <laughs> He's the chicken tikka masala of... <laughs> this is safe. Yeah. I'll get this. <laughs> it's got no curry in it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'll get some of this. It's oh. tomato-based? Yeah, I'll probably like it. I can't. <laughs> oh, God. Ooh, I'm sorry. You were saying about murdering Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's. I feel like there's a, a a lot of legal issues going on in this movie that we need to discuss. Perhaps with a lawyer. Ba-da, ba-da. Ladies and gentlemen, through the magic of radio, we actually have a legal expert <laughs> on the podcast here. The friend of the podcast and friend. Of me in real life, Caleb Mundy. Welcome, Caleb. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, Caleb is here because he is a lawyer, and I want to say, you probably have a standard disclaimer, but this is not legal advice if you plan on (laughs) manslaughtering or becoming becoming Santa Claus at any point in your life. This This should not in any way be construed as legal advice in any way, shape, or form. This is absolutely not legal advice. Yes. But we do, having said that, we have some questions. <laughs> yeah. Damon, do you have uh, a thought? So we watched a very legalistic Christmas movie. Uh, first off, the most infamous is the death scene. Mm-hmm. Tim Allen hears a clatter per the verbiage of the actual movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, goes out to see Santa Claus, distracts Santa Claus. Santa Claus uh, falls off of his roof and presumably breaks his spine in half and mm-hmm. dies. Yes. While waving to make us all feel better about it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want, you know, any recompense and you're dying, don't wave because it it gets a little cutesy. It kind of takes away some of your rights. I assume. I'm not a lawyer, but... So DJ what, is not a lawyer. I am so not. we, I think we all agree it's it's not murder. It's probably not murder. It wasn't murder. premeditated at the very least. Um, would this fall under... Could, could Tim Allen be brought into court on some crime? Uh, my, my best, there was, lawyers always answer with probably not or maybe or whatever, but almost definitely not. Um, so criminal law is basically made up of generally two things, like an act that you do and then your mental state at the time that you do it. So usually criminal statutes are written like a person who does such and such with such intent is guilty of theft or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, so with murder, there's usually a four or five degrees of murder, and it depends on the state, but for instance, first degree murder is usually murder with intent and premeditation, or sometimes in the in the commission of a felony or murder whatever. one, murder one. Oh, exactly. I just thought it was like <laughs> the best murder. Uh, that's a sweet murder. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so murder one, usually like premeditated, you have to prove, the prosecutors have proved the person thought about it ahead of time, had cool contemplation, uh, decided mm. to do it. Pretty grisly. Um, cool, like they were smoking a cigarette while right. they... Yeah, right. they threw yeah. a cigarette and it hit like gasoline and they turned around and then the car... They didn't look at it. If you don't look at it, if you don't look at the murder, murder after one. you commit it, that's, that's murder, murder one. one. It's okay. the coolest of all murders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second degree murder is like a catch-all for like just murder without any other... It's a killing without any other mitigating So that's where factors. you and I get into an argument and I think to myself, I'm going to kill Caleb now and I kill you. It's got like that, I intend to kill personal. you. <laughs> that, that would be, uh, we'd have, if there was, so if, if premeditated, if premeditated murder was first degree murder in the jurisdiction where you did that, <laughs> then we would have to talk about, did you have enough time to think about and plan for it to be premeditated? Cause it doesn't right. have to, it doesn't have to be like an hour. It can be 30 seconds or whatever. Oh, okay. So. Now, because manslaughter would fall under, like if you and I got into a physical fight and in the process, I killed you. So there's there's two kinds. <laughs> generally, there's two kinds of manslaughter. What is crime? <laughs> <laughs> so voluntary manslaughter is what you're talking about. Okay, it's also called heat of passion murder. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and that one, anything that was on cheaters falls <laughs> yeah. under that. Yeah. When I stabbed Joey Greco on <laughs> on the boat, voluntary manslaughter requires like some kind of event that the the average person would lose their mind in anger over. And then that you actually did that. So the classic example is catching your wife in bed with somebody else. Okay. You you freak out and murder one or both of them. That's voluntary manslaughter. Um, that you have to prove that like you didn't have time to cool off. You but that's not murder? Right. Like that's manslaughter? That's manslaughter. Okay. Um, well, what's the difference between manslaughter and murder then? Uh, just that, like, it's like it's like oh, I went into some sort of fugue state and killed someone. So generally, if if like. <laughs> If you do an action that causes somebody to die, uh-huh. basic category is second-degree murder. And okay. then you look at, was there something that you did that was worse than usual that makes it first-degree murder? Or something you did that was less than usual that makes it a manslaughter? Even though a manslaughter for sure sounds worse as a word. It oh, does. Yeah. It's like, oh, you slaughtered a man? <laughs> well, it usually involves entrails. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, no, no ordinary word that you hear anywhere else ever means what you think it does in the, in the legal. And it's because yeah. it's all left over from like 1400s England or right. Latin or French or whatever. So then the other kind of manslaughter is involuntary manslaughter, which okay. would be if we were talking about it, this is what we would be talking. We're about. This is the closest, closest we're getting. Closest. Okay, yeah. there is one closer. Okay, this is where we're getting closest. Okay, and this is called or, like reckless, gross, reckless murder. Um, this is like gross. Um, <laughs> This is like shooting into a crowd of people okay. or driving your car into a house. It's this thing where you don't intend to specifically harm any one person, but it's so reckless yeah. that like it's counted to you basically as um, – You were going to kill someone probably. Yeah. The, old, the old way you talk about it is murder is a killing with malice aforethought. So, and the malice, in this case, it's so reckless that it's counted to you as being malicious. What about screaming at a mythical being on top of your roof? <laughs> Okay, so on a high pitched roof, there is one one other lower degree of murder, which is uh, negligent murder. Wow, ooh, uh, gross. So this is less than criminal gross negligence. So this is so probably, it's not as gross, right? Um, this is probably the closest you're going to get. And negligence is usually talked of in terms of tort law. Uh, as far as like, we need to reform that. I yes, know that tort for sure. Reforms, very, very interesting. So, so negligence being like. Um, you were driving your car in a way that a normal person wouldn't, and that's why you hit someone. That's usually how negligence comes up. Mm. So negligence is 
do you have a duty that that a normal ordinary person would perform? So then you would, the question it would really be a complicated, and you would come down to the court where you would be like, would a normal person yell at someone on their roof? Right. And I that. would. Yeah. Yes. I would. I, yeah. I think I don't. I don't think even that would pass. But if it's a person that you know is delivering presents on <laughs> Christmas Eve, like you know why he's there, don't yell at him. <laughs> Were I to be defending Tim Allen in this case, which like I a mailman would not came generally... up to your mailbox and you shot him, yeah. like you would, hey, you that's not you know that's not a trespasser. That's the mailman yeah. doing right. his job. Santa Claus is doing his job. This is a universe where Santa Claus exists. That's true, but that's true. having seen this scene, um, it doesn't immediately look like Tim Allen recognizes who the hell's on his roof. Right. Sure. So okay. He, like freaks All out. right. I mean, we discussed. This. I just want to put Tim yeah. Allen in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're not just the wait first. Or- you're not the first. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, just wait. That's going to come back around again. Okay, so um, we move on to the second. Okay, so we agree yeah. that that's... Could he be brought up uh, if Mrs. Claus or Bernard the Elf wants to... Um, could he bring be brought up on a civil suit, maybe? Yeah, so civil suit, you could do... Wrongful um, death. You could do wrongful death, which is the civil equivalent of murder. There's also the uh, always dramatic loss of consortium. Ooh, which is that when, sounds like a lot of Latin words yeah, involved. A spouse can sue for the loss of um, income, emotional support, and physical intimacy. Ooh, so ooh. Mrs. Cla- in this so, case, Mrs. Claus would bring those let's charges. Hope. Yeah, okay. not yeah. But per uh, this universe, I think they kill Mrs. Claus immediately upon the death yeah. of Santa Claus. When we watch Santa Claus 2, we'll, have to get, <laughs> we'll get you back in and we'll discuss that. I look forward to it. Uh, okay, okay, so the se- you go ahead with the second legal question. Well, I think, and I think this is the big one, which is... The Santa Claus. The titular clause. Um, so just to to recap what happens, uh, when Santa Claus dies or when he falls off the roof, uh, Tim Allen's character uh, searches. Rummages through his clothes. Finds a card, a business card that says, uh, if you find this, put on the suit that reindeer will know what to do. And around the edge of it is written the Santa Claus. In a, in a font so small that it looks like a border on the card. Eventually, Bernard, the head of elf, shows Scott Calvin through a magnifying glass that it says, if you touch this card, you're agreeing to such and such. So basically, you get you are giving up your life and becoming Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ludicrous what the actual question is. Assuming yeah. the, you know, the reality that this movie takes place in that santa claus exists now i know like assuming also that all the laws are the same (laughs) there's a lot of assumptions here uh what does this hold any water or what like so we'll have to talk about this in terms of united states law right not north pole law yeah maritime law we assumed because it's (laughs) in the middle of the ocean may or may not be a functional country right yeah um so so a contract at its most basic is basically just a promise that the courts will enforce. Mm-hmm. So it's a promise that has certain requirements. So generally speaking, a requirement... <laughs> like being legible. Yeah. For one. <laughs> Definitely. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. but anyway, um, so the two questions are, was a contract formed? Or I guess three questions. Was a contract formed? Is it enforceable? And are there any defenses to the mm. contract? So contract to be formed requires an offer, an acceptance, and an exchange of consideration which is one of those words that doesn't mean what it means in English. Okay. <laughs> so an okay. offer just says is what it sounds like. A valid offer just has to have enough terms in it that you can describe what you're offering. And okay. then the offeree... The in, person, the, in this case, would the, what would the offer be? You are now Santa Claus until Yeah, your death? the offer is if you put these clothes on, you become Santa Claus. Okay. Um, okay. And then the offer or the person making the offer, they can set the terms of acceptance. 
So in this case, it's set the this, the way you accept is to put the suit on. Mm-hmm. Other okay. people, you might have a thing that says you sign this contract and you accept, or you pay money, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, acceptance arguably happened here. I mean, Tim <laughs> Allen did the thing. However, there's a concept in contract law called a meeting of the minds. Mm-hmm. So the the law tries to determine what the two parties were trying to accomplish together. Right. And make that the contract. And clearly Tim Allen had no... Was not a part of There was no part of that. So Unless the citizens of the world, by being born under original sin, are all bound to this contract. Could that be possible? In which Santa Claus is an agent of Jesus? (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, It's got got off the rails, legalistically speaking. So legalistic. Um, So anyway... Offers clearly – so you have to kind of talk about contract terms in, in terms of what would each party argue in court as to whether or not a contract was informed. Right. So Bernard or whatever organization he represents could mm-hmm. could argue, okay, we made an offer and the Tim Santa Allen – The Santa Clan. Yeah, Tim Allen, Scott, uh, accepted by doing the terms. Right. Consideration. So there has – the law doesn't evaluate the sufficiency of – consideration if you offer to buy dj's car for a dollar and he accepts the court's not going to come back and say well it's clearly worth more than a dollar so they're right they're not going to do that because you guys agreed uh but in this case we have to $2. wonder let's, <laughs> let's negotiate this what does tim allen get out of this so the santa clan co <laughs> or whatever llc they apparently get <laughs> Uh, an extended lifetime of service from Tim Allen. You assume Santa Claus is living longer than the average man. Right. I assume, but so he's like bound to this forever until until such time until as, someone throws him off a roof. Yeah, what does it say? <laughs> until it, yeah, I don't remember what the end of the clause is. It says until it's the clause of the clause. accident or design. Which I'm like, who's who's design? I don't anyway. Um, I'm so a, I'm could looking the up contract the Santa in Bernard's mind be the large green text that says, "By put, uh, put on the suit and the reindeer will know what to do. And then the clause itself is the actual border of the card? Is that what I'm... So a clause is just any provision in a contract. Right. Despite what Bernard says, it is not the final <laughs> sentence in a contract. Uh-huh. Um, so, no, th- there's nothing in the language of the green part that, that suggests a contract. There's no okay, action yeah. by either party. It's, it's just, hey, put this suit on. That's not a thing. So and It seems like Tim Allen has no recourse because he immediately starts having physical transformations brought on by North Pole elfish magic. And that's a case for assault. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wonderful. So- so Bernard's going to jail yeah. in the end here. Oh, good. So an offer is made, acceptance arguable, consideration. Tim Allen doesn't appear to be getting anything out of this. I The only thing I could think of is maybe Bernard could argue. He gets a home and shelter in the North Pole but with that's a bunch not, of children. And the best hot chocolate, apparently, in the world. 1,200-year-old N- recipe. None of which is in the contract. <laughs> right, of course, so, sure. The only thing I can see in the contract is just the privilege of putting the suit on. Um, here's, the, here's the actual text, okay? Yeah. Uh, in putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, so he has to enter the sleigh as well, mm-hmm. the wearer waives any and all rights to previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. So murdered or... Maybe he becomes physically Accident. unable to do something. I don't know. Yeah. By design, does that include... See, that, See, that's another another issue is that the terms are very vague. Yeah. 
And that's that will kill a country. It's almost as if they were like, write something legalese for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Um, because if it's by his own design, why don't he, he can just say, like, well, I quit, and by design, yeah. I can no longer do this. Who's design? The, yeah. the Santa Claus LLC or Bernard's or, yeah. or Tim Allen's? Yeah. So offer us a solid acceptance. Very questionable because there's no meeting of the minds. Consideration very uh, very murky like yeah there's nothing really offered so then whether or not you have a contract you can go back and say um is it defense is there a defense to the contract so a defense to having it enforced against you can you defend against that mm. and one of the biggest ones is misrepresentation if you misrepresent in your contract what it's about and in this case the size of the font uh and the, right. and also um they they will sometimes do uh it's, if the contract is unconscionable, mm. um, which is a really, like, it has to be really bad before the courts will step in. But in this case, like, he has to give up his life. Guy. He gives and, up his yeah. entire life for <laughs> some hidden language. You you could definitely, you could get out of this. So what, do you have any experience with maritime law? Like, uh, is there any, like, jurisdiction? Like, if this, say the North Pole, it actually, this contract was established. Under North Pole law. Under North Pole law, does is that what would apply, or wherever he accepted? Could let's, they let's extradite? Assume, could they extradite Scott Calvin from the United? Like, yeah, force him to come back to the let's North Pole. Let's simplify like the the legality of the of the clause itself, and just say it's the I'm going to buy your call, car for a dollar clause. Okay, so if if they wrote the contract in the North Pole, where does it apply? I guess I don't know that like an well, international contract. I don't know a lot about international law. Okay. Jurisdictionally, you could still argue it in a, a U.S. court because one of the parties was there and, right. and the That's actions where. happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. My only experience with maritime law is conspiracy theorists who say that all of United States law is based on maritime law, which is why your car is a boat. And all these things can happen to you with the Queen of England, and I didn't really investigate into that. <laughs> it's so weird that you didn't investigate into that. Now, jet fuel burns. At- no. Exactly. I've startled a man off my roof. He's fallen. <laughs> I have now stolen his transportation, left his clothes. Well, I took on his clothing that he apparently discarded when he ascended corporally into heaven. Yes. Uh, I've stolen his car and his animals. That seems weird, right? That seems like <laughs> someone could be brought yeah. up on charges there. Absolutely. You can't just take a man's sleigh. Yeah. <laughs> Call the cops. That's his Call boat, according to American <laughs> Maritime Law. <laughs> All right, I think that's all of it. That's good. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Kayla you so Money. Much. So honored to be here. Yes. All right. Back Special to the show. guest star, legal expert. Woo! Can we say legal expert? Mm. Legal ad- no, not advisor. Yeah, you can say legal we'll put expert. Put an asterisk. Yeah, next asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. We can't ignore it any longer. We have to talk about the logical fallacy in yeah. all Santa movies. Okay. You're dancing around it. Let's, Let's talk just about it. fucking talk about it. It's also the zombie fallacy. We had them. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> I would say to a lesser extent, because it's not like in if if the zombie fallacy were the same thing, it would be like if in zombie movies everyone were talking about zombies all the time. <laughs> yeah. And true. then when a zombie walked by, they'd be like what is, the what is Walking that? Dead? What is that? A Walker? Yeah. Is that an other? Yeah. And it's like, no, you were just talking about it, right? In a Santa movie, and this happens. The Santa Claus is not the only offender here. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is an offender. Yeah. Ernest Saves Christmas is an offender. Everything, every movie, pretty much that involves Santa Claus, the character, exactly. Great yeah, Christmas movie. Where the logical fallacy is this: in the movie. 
everyone presumes that Santa is not real. Right. In this universe, Santa Claus exists. So that means, <coughs> and in, in, in the example of the Santa Claus, Santa is literally arriving on people's rooftops delivering presents. Which means that in this universe, on Christmas morning, there are presents under your tree that someone you don't know has delivered. Presumably, a mythical being who lives in the North Pole, who is eternal, who brings you presents. He uses magic to bring presents into your house. But yet, no one in the universe believes that Santa is real. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like if everyone kept talking about mailmen like they were mythical <laughs> beings, but still went out you to the mailbox mail. and got the mail. Well, I have two, at least two, some, I wouldn't call them solutions, but somewhat. But wait, hold on. I, I just want to speak to what you were talking about with Scott Calvin just a minute ago. Okay, yeah. Because I feel like the movie is trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's just create yeah. a character like Scott Calvin who you presumably can relate to because if right. you were in that situation where you had a sleigh on top of your roof. Because you live in a world where be- Santa does not exist. Correct. Right. You would be like, of course this isn't real. Yeah, right. But Scott Calvin doesn't live in our world. He obviously lives in a world where presents just appear under your tree on December 25th when you wake up. Yeah. So why is this? I understand that you may not want to be Santa Claus, (laughs) but why is it so hard to understand that you have just murdered Santa Claus on your property or he's died on your property and you need to do something about it? Yeah. And you've taken on his job as mailman for all the Gentile children (laughs) in the universe. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the real answer, right? Is that the, the real, like kind of out of universe screenwriter answer is that Santa doesn't actually exist. So we need a, we need a proxy. Right. And so we bring that skepticism to life. Okay. So that's the real making a movie about Santa Claus. You have created this weird fallacy where it doesn't make any sense. My in universe example, which is not really from anything, just the only answer I can get is that, and it comes a little bit from later on in the movie, Charlie actually sort of breaks down some of the mythology (laughs) to Neil. Neil sort of Uh like basically trying to gently trap Charlie. Like, well, how does he get, how does, how would Santa get around the world that fast? And he's like, well, I don't know. There's some sort of time continuum thing on the sleigh, which is like, well, all right. (laughs) For this movie, that's fine. That's like, that's an answer. For this movie, it's fine. But I, whenever that kid answered, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, and only because we're nerds, we'd be like, I want to hear more about that time continuum. You know, I mean, like, but Neil just accept, oh, yeah, time continuum. Actually, that makes sense. I guess you trapped me there, Charlie. Yeah. Well, and then, and you know, he's not really convinced. He's just kind of like, okay, well, what about this? Yeah. But I, I think there's a similar answer is that Santa does deliver the presents, but. The there's some sort of memory trick, some sort of Santa memory wipe that has to happen that to all the, those families that makes them makes the implants a false memory of the parents or that like that they think they bought those presents or that the other parent bought those presents or something. There has to be some sort of magic in that old silk hat the hat they found. <laughs>
That's I feel like that's the only in universe answer that I can give you. And again, it's not from the movie. I'm just giving that to them. And also all Santa movies, go ahead and write that out. It Flesh presumes that, that spouses don't talk to each other because you would immediately turn. I would go to turn to Tyler and be like, did you buy him that Lego pirate ship? Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, no. And I'm like, I guess it must be some Nordic saint that fucking like lives in the North Pole. But if you both thought that the other, like, um, false we memory. We both assumed. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not like, it's not an assumption. It's an implanted memory. But then what's the point of Santa Claus at that point? It's for kids. It's not for adults. But also, like, gaslighting the entire world? All of Christendom it's the has thing. to be, it's the like, thing now. literally insane. We can't, like, trust our own memories because some St. Nicholas who died in the 1400s wants to give kids a present? Now you're just shitting on the idea of Santa Claus. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we know Santa Claus doesn't really exist. Right. Do we? <laughs> No, I get I get the frustration. It's it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you, but it just it is, bothers me. Be, it wouldn't bother me if it was just this movie, but it's every, it's every Santa movie, movie. Yeah. and I'm like, like in Miracle of Thirty Fourth Street, it always hits me in the original in the in the thirty. Who do you think movie. is delivering this? <laughs> when the prosecutor, uh, when the defense calls the prosecutor's son to the stand, and I'm like. Well, someone's bringing this fucking kid's presence, and it's not the guy prosecuting this case. Who is it? Uh, no one cares that Santa, the man they've been working with, presumably, for years, yeah. is missing or dead. Yeah. Gone. Maybe. Comet, who literally witnessed... Presumably, I guess I have to say, witnessed the death of his master. Is like, hey, Tim Allen, fucking figure it out. We got more houses to go to. What's we got your a problem? job to we do. Gotta, we got to get this done. And it's like, no one cares. Like, it annoys me because it's just like the movie doesn't. It's just a vehicle to make Tim Allen Santa Claus. Yeah. It doesn't, it creates a scenario that has so many ethical problems to it. <laughs> and then it's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. The thing is that Tim Allen is now Santa. I'm like, there's a body here that we're missing. And Do- you don't care. His friends don't care. Yeah. No, the elves don't care. Bernard doesn't care. Judy doesn't DJ, care. DJ, I'm telling you this as a friend. If Donald Clover comes to this house in my clothing, I want you to try to look for me. I mean, here, here's the I thing. I know he's cool. Atlanta community. I'm, he's going to be Simba. I'm re- Listen, I promise you that I will both look for and mourn you. Don't do it simultaneously. Look for me first. Look, but I, I feel like if you're mourning, I didn't mean at the same I time. I feel like if you're mourning, you're already given up. <laughs> well, he came back in your clothes. It's not looking good for you. I just might be naked. And Donald Glover was like, "Who left all these clothes here? They're kind of big on me, but still." Wouldn't that be your? Wouldn't that be your first? I guess you're not a magical creature in this scenario, but like, your first thought would be, "Why did you murder Damon and take his clothes?" Especially like because you're a celebrity and you probably get really you nice look clothes. Nothing like Damon. You don't have the body type of Damon. He is one half 
at most the man that you are, okay. Donald Glover. Okay, now see, I feel like it's it's getting hurtful now. Your talent okay. it, oh. it eclipses All anything right. Damon could remotely oh, dream of. Okay. No, okay. So see, you know I already regret it. I What if Steve Buscemi came back? You know what? Bad example. You're, yeah. Matt Lauer. Ooh. Ooh. What if Matt Lauer came back in my Then I'd be very worried. Or because... Tim Allen, actually. <laughs> I'd be very worried. Actually, I don't know why I didn't go with that the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you want to retake it? No. Um, I like imagining Donald Glover in my clothes. Could be some sort of sexual mix-up. Hmm. That's a weird narcissistic fantasy, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, I, I just mean like maybe we had like a what have you, like you know, and then it was what like if it was my dark. Skin? Would that be weird? <laughs> I just mean, what if it was dark and he grabbed my clothes instead of his, and I'm grabbing his clothes, and it's like, oh no, what a mix-up! But then for some reason, while wearing my clothes, he went back to the place I was supposed to be, <laughs> which raises a lot more questions. Actually, now that I'm thinking about. Mary Gross, who you might remember, she's a friend of the pod in yeah. that she's never been on it, but we have discussed True Beverly Hills. Uh, SNL alum uh, Mary Gross plays Charlie's school teacher. Yes. Who gets in within two total lines, she gets two laughs out of me. Yeah. Um, and it's it combined with the it's a it's career day, so the kids are bringing right. their parents in, and the first line is a fireman who says. There's nothing more painful than third-degree burns to the children. Right. And the children is, are just sitting there staring at a mouth ag- mouths really agape. And Mary Gross comes up and says, well, thank children. Thank uh, Fireman Bob for coming. And Fireman Bob, sorry about your partner. We're all, we can say we're all sorry about your partner. <laughs> it was really funny. She is the sole nominee, I would say, and therefore winner of the... The Catherine Catherine O'Hara Memorial Memorial MVP Award. (laughs) Time immemorial (laughs) MVP. She also gets, later someone says, um, when, because it's career day, uh, Charlie brings Scott Calvin, um, (laughs) and stop saying both of his names, uh, to career day, and he thinks he's there to discuss toys, being, working for a toy company, and Charlie actually wants to discuss him being santa claus and uh, one of the children says so do you make all the toys and some bully says nah you idiot the elves do and uh, mary gross also says we don't say elves we call them little people um which made me laugh yeah it was good um so that's my take on that yeah um we got a Tim Taylor grunt on the first night. What I, the fuck I, is that I assume shit? that that was contractually obligated, that he had to do it at least once. That felt... But it, I, I feel like it could have gone either way. Yeah. What, as he's, like, wrapping up, like, his first Christmas, he flies away and goes, ho, 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 ho. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, it's ho, 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 but, like, with a Tim Taylor grunt. Yeah. And it was, like, it could have been contractually obligated, but I also feel like it could have been just, like, Tim Allen, like... Like Larry the Cable Guy sneaking in a getter done. Like, like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) You know who doesn't hate that? Most people who like Like Larry the Cable Guy and Tim Tim Allen. It's Uh, like like they forgot who Tim Allen was, and they're like, oh, right. Oh, yeah, the home show. It's hackery. With the the things. Yeah, I get it. It's comedy hackery. It's shit, mate. Yeah. 
we have to talk about the North Pole and uh, K Holtz. We gotta we gotta get on this. <laughs> he, I mean, he's he's why everybody came in here, right? He, I would say actually, Mary Gross isn't the only nominee for that. I would say he's pretty good. He's he's good. He didn't have that many laugh lines. He has a couple. He doesn't. But, he's not batting two for two like Mary Gross yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, the North Pole is really high tech, but also super inefficient. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, to get into the North Pole, they've got this sassy dickhead uh, elf who has to come out, push a button to get the North Pole to come, the actual physical you know, North like Pole. like a physical, like a barber pole. To come out, and then it, it shoots out a little keypad. He's got to physically punch in the numbers. Maybe normally Santa would do it, do you think? And they just knew Fucking, somehow? I... Uh, they knew Santa was dead? Yeah. They knew there would be a new guy who didn't know what was going on? Fuck if I know. I don't know. And then we get K-Holtz. You're putting a lot of credit in the fucking The Santa Claus universe here. Um, yeah, let's get to David K-Holtz. Crumb Holtz. D.K. Holtz is the... Uh, <laughs> Donkey he, Kong Holtz. He's the be-dreadlocked head elf. Yeah. He's, he's a normal-sized person. Well, yeah. What? Go on. I think, he's st- I think we recognize him as, as, as adult David Crumb Holtz. Yeah. But I would say he's probably like a 15, 16-year-old actor at this point but he's twice the size of all the other oh agreed yeah it's but he's three quarters the size of tim allen sure yeah yeah i guess i guess you're right i guess he's tallest elf is has seniority that's the rule i guess so they made the rules two thousand years ago i I can't i can't speaking of all caps uh i just write why is everyone so mean For a children's movie, everybody's really mean in this. Like, yeah, Larry the Elf, who is another, you know, uh, Amber Flaxen Vixen. Vixen? <laughs> That's it. You're confusing elves and reindeer again. Uh, Amber uh, haired little kid, but who is presumably a thousand years old. Uh, he's a dick. Yeah. Um, all the elves are dicks, except for Judy, who's yeah. kind of sassy. She's sassy. She's, she is in the realm of like nicely sassy though yeah she's very kind she's she yeah yeah david crumholtz is uh angry yeah angry elf yeah except charlie which is kind of sweet it is and that was kind of interesting and i think there could have been something there if this was a more thought out movie of like them sort of being cynical to adults but then realizing like oh this is about kids and like he's a kid right uh, that's what i picked up on was like yeah. that's to the kids, idea I they think. love kids but Adults are assholes and fuck them. Yeah, everyone over. Even if you are, even if you are Santa Claus, right? Yeah, that's it's weird. Um, there's a nice uh, Scott Calvin gets to to go to sleep. And there's a nice little puppet show to fall asleep to. Punch apparently, and Judy, Punch and Judy show. It's apparently on. like always on. I guess. Um, I did like. There's a c- couple of good visual gags. Do you want to get to those? Yeah, so, and list them off. Let's see. Well, uh, there's not that many. I um, would love to hear this. Um, I've got, I've got three, I guess, maybe four. Um, mm-hmm. So when uh, the, our first like glimpse into Scott Calvin physically changing, he he's gaining weight and he's like can only wear a sweatsuit because he he all of his clothes all of a sudden don't fit. Mm-hmm. He goes to a business meeting. This is after the first Christmas, so like presumably right after the holiday break, he comes back and he has this lunch meeting with with his uh, coworkers, and they all order. I'll have a half a salmon or whatever, and he has. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have a salad with a Caesar salad with no dressing, and then he orders like fifteen desserts. It's funny, right? Yeah. And then later we cut to he the boss is sort of annoyed with him because he's still eating his desserts. 
And then we cut to another scene. His salad is just sitting there perfectly <laughs> full. He did not touch his salad, which I liked. That was pretty funny. Um, this is not a joke, but uh, 90s clothes in general were kind of a joke. We've got a lot of 90s clothes, especially on the ex-wife, on Laura's. She's got a lot of silhouettes that just aren't working for her body type. Yeah, not not great. Um, there are some scenes where she just looks like a triangle stacked on another triangle. <laughs> Which might be like to make her look like a cartoon Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, nice Disney. Good job. Um, we had when the cops were talking about. So um, we've got the Chris Kringle Christmas kidnap caper because yeah. uh, at some point, um, um, the second Christmas, um, the following yeah, Scott, the following Christmas, Christmas Scott Calvin's fully on, full he's on, full Santa, on Santa, and he takes Charlie with him, even though. Proving that Santa Claus has bad judgment in general. Yeah, he's lost custody in court, and he still takes Charlie with him, and so she calls the police. Which is called kidnapping. Yeah. And, um... uh, the That's a crime. I can tell you that. I'm not a fucking lawyer. That's a kidnapping. They cut to the uh, police at some point, and they they have, like, a diagram on a chalkboard drawn, (laughs) and one of the main things they have... They have the house, they have bad visibility with trees or whatever, and yeah. then they have the donut shop. And it has, like, all the police cars are drawn in front of the donut <laughs> shop, which is funny. It's solid. Um, and then we have my favorite uh, visual gag, which is uh, when um, Scott brings Charlie back, um, before they come in, we see Neil, the... the uh, stepdad and Laura speaking in, in, the, <laughs> in their kitchen, and... Uh, Neil is just stuffing a pita pocket with bean sprouts, <laughs> which is just fun. It's just funny. <laughs> it's only bean sprouts that you see. Right. And then, yes. Which was funny. And we actually were around it because I found that funny in the first place. And then later, Bernard just randomly shows up and he's eating the pita pocket with bean sprouts, which is yeah. funny. It's funny. It's a good gag. A lot of boohoo, he says. Yeah. That was a good one. What else you got there, partner? You know, I'm so glad you asked. Mm-hmm. I do want to say this. There is a law, uh, as you referenced, there is a visual gag of like Tim Allen getting fatter throughout the year. And then eventually his hair starts going gray. Yeah. His beard keeps growing no matter how, how often he shaves. Yep. There is a scene where he like, he is dyeing his hair while shaving and he takes off his, you know, his hairnet and his, his, uh, his freshly shaved, he doesn't take off his freshly shaved face, but yeah. he like wipes off his shaving cream and we just, within real time, we watch his hair go gray and his beard just like pop out. Yeah. In like that weird, like Michael Jackson, black or white, right. yeah. like, I, I give you credit, the Santa Claus for making an effort. Yeah. Um, but there is also in the movie, he wears a red hoodie, like, on his own. Yeah. He wears a reindeer, like, uh, like a Fair Isle reindeer sweater yeah. at one point. And I'm like, you still have a choice in the clothes you wear. Like, I know you're, you're, you're losing custody of your child because your ex-wife and her husband presume you're feeding into your son's delusional fantasies about you being Santa Claus, but you're the one fucking walking around with a red and green plaid necktie with a snowflake shirt when you go into court and a fucking reindeer sweater, you delusional lunatic. Like, fucking, which side are you on? Is what I have to ask. Yeah. 
One thing I do have to say, I hate almost everyone involved in this movie. Sans, D. Crumholtz, yeah, Mary Gross, yeah, and the set designer, because the set designer <laughs> at Scott Calvin's apartment, we we see him wake up, and he is sleeping the the day after the first Christmas when he yeah. he goes to bed at the North Pole. He wakes up in his own bed in his apartment. His apartment has gray it's a walls. House. Is it a house? It's yeah. like a townhouse. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Uh, it has gray walls on the inside. Uh, he has a gray blanket, gray pillows, all of his photo photography on the walls, which is minimal. It's black and white. And I wrote down, I do like that his house is decorated like a single non-famous Tim Allen would decorate a house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's, at one point he's standing in his kitchen and there's like a little toy, like, mechanic shop that he has mm. on his counter i'm like that seems like something tim allen <laughs> brought from home <laughs> and and his house like there's no pictures on the walls i'm like yeah that's what a straight dude's house would look like i still don't have any pictures on the wall and i'm married i mean tyler has to like and i'm not straight <laughs> He's like, oh, fucking put shit on the walls. I'm like, ah, but where, what are we going to look at those when we could be looking at this TV box over here? Yeah. That's how I talk at home. TV, TV's boxes over here. Come on! Can we talk about this fucking snow globe? Sure. The fucking movie really wanted to give me, a, give me two shits. No. The movie really wanted me to give two shits about this fucking snow globe. Uh, so the first Christmas that they're at the North Pole... Bernard, who loves kids, gives Charlie, who's a kid, the snow globe. And Charlie looks at the snow. He shakes it up. He looks at the snow globe. And you can see Santa's sleigh riding around above houses or whatever the fuck. And it's played like this thing that, oh, we're going to be coming back to this. Yeah, this is going to be important later. Which Chekhov's snow globe, like that sort of fucking shit. And uh, later on, Charlie uses it as evidence that he went to the North Pole. And he's like, look, Dad, don't you remember? And Tim Allen's like, he shakes it and doesn't look at it. He's like, yeah, it's fucking toy. It's stupid. Or whatever he says. And then later, at the end of the movie, he shakes it. He still doesn't believe he's really Santa Claus at this point. He shakes it and he looks at it and he's like, I see the sleigh. Wow. I really am a mythical immortal being that delivers presents to all the Christian children in the world. Yeah. It makes perfect sense now that I've looked at this snow globe. Magically gaining 45 pounds in a week. Your your hair immediately turning gray and beard growing back. My heart beats the beat of jingle bells. None of that did anything for him. But this snow globe that has no magical properties as far as I can tell. The snow globe, which I could make for you. I'll get you a snow globe by 3 p.m. <laughs> With nail polish. <laughs> I don't know why that's helpful. <laughs> and then he does use it, Charlie does use it a third t- or uh, a later time. Right. When Bernard's eating the pita pocket full of yeah. bean sprouts, he tells him that's how you can call Santa Claus, a.k.a. your dad. Yeah. Which I wish I could call my dad to my house that Aww. easily. Really? Just kidding. He comes all the you time. You can use the phone. Yeah. I have a that's the, I have an iPhone. So that's our This is before iPhone, so that's why you needed snow globes at the time. 
Um, oh. Yeah. Two more things I want to bring up. Yeah. There's a walking shot. It's supposed to be like a montage. Yeah. It's played to ZZ Top's song. Give me all your love. <laughs> Give me all your love. Um, and Which is when weird. you see it as an adult, as a person who's seen movies before, you immediately recognize it as something that should have been filmed in slow motion. It's a group, it's a group walking shot. It's Towards Santa, the camera. Yeah. Santa Claus, Bernard, Charlie, well, some of the elves, Judy. Judy, yeah. And, and intercut with, like, elves getting shit ready, like, yeah. people being worried about Charlie, police getting ready in various places. They're walking towards the camera, but it's in real time. Yeah. So you just sort of see them, like, sort of swinging their arms like normal yutzes. Yeah. And then they do the, the ZZ Top do, video, which I guess is Is that what from that the, is? Is it probably, specifically from that? It might be. I don't remember. It seems like it is, but I don't know. Finally, I want to bring up one last thing. Neil finally begin believes in Santa because he got a weenie whistle or fucking some shit. Yeah. Um, and Charlie says, it's only because you repressed your inner child or some other fucking shit. And uh, Neil says, you know, you're going to make a great psychiatrist someday. And uh, Charlie turns around looking towards Santa Slay who's flying away. And he goes, you know, I think I'm going to go into the family business someday. Deliciously planning his father's own demise. That's what I took away from it. Was yeah. like, I'm going to kill my father, thus ensuring I become the next Santa Claus, like Oedipus killing his father <laughs> to become the king of Thebes. I don't see any other parallels. Next fucking question. <laughs> Let's go to the verdict. Let's do it. Shall we? Let's do it. Here we are, Damon. This is the verdict. This is oh my the God, time. This is a lot of okay, yeah. The Santa Claus starring Tim Allen, nineteen ninety four. What do you say? It's shit. This movie's not good. There's parts that are have a certain amount of charm, and don't mistake that for me saying they are charming. <laughs> they have a certain amount of charm. What about now? Forty nine percent at best. Amount of charm. Sprinkle yourself with the fairy dust of the Christmas spirit. Get in the spirit. Imagine you're Uh, nestled around with all your family, all the people. Just my family. Just the ones you like. And you've got a cup of hot cocoa that's been the the recipe's been honed for twelve hundred years. It's got little marshmallows in it. Do you like marshmallows? What am I, a monster? Yeah, yeah of it's got I'm little fucking... marshmallows in it. It's like it's like gelatin curled up sugar. There's a fire in the fireplace. If not, if you don't have a fireplace, Thank just God. some shit's it's in on the fire in the corner. <laughs> All right. And you're watching this movie. Now, do you feel the same way? Do you? Yeah, it's it... shit. Yeah. This is a bad movie. This is a cash-in, like, half-assed, that seems generous, like, third-assed movie. Did you like this movie? I can't remember if you actually liked this movie. If we, I think as a kid, I watched this movie and pretended I liked it, but I don't think in my heart of hearts, like I, I, I recognized it was not a good movie. I, I did not. So I'm going to have to say my energy. You were on your phone for 65% of the movie. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> this movie is bad. Oh yeah. yeah. This, your inner child is an idiot for sure. And my inner child specifically is an idiot because I liked it. Yeah. So I, I was prepared to like it, and then when we got uh, about halfway through, I was like, I see what's going on here. And 
it's not it's I agree with the forty nine percent thing. Like it doesn't have quite enough to go over the hump of like getting into getting into okay, this is fine. Like, like Christmas fine movies tune. like can get by like on a they can coast on a lot. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of like just good feelings around Christmas and like right. you know togetherness and like oh it's like we did this last year let's do it again. If there had been more like friendliness in this movie, it's because they're kind of mean to each other. Everyone and, is an asshole, and it's like, even at even like later, it's still like it's not very warm. And so I was like, I I don't understand what I was getting out of this. Like, the weird you know, thing is, it's almost like it's not funny. <laughs> I remember when we no. I remember when we watched Home Alone, uh the first Home Alone. Yeah. We haven't watched the second one, so obviously coming up. One. Um and I talked about how the whole movie is just spinning its wheels until that final scene. Yeah. This movie though is like just spinning its wheels until they can get Tim Allen that first Christmas of him like complaining about reindeer, complaining about the suit, making snarky remarks, yeah, and yeah, just yelling and complaining and being just like generally pissy. And then the rest of the movie, it just doesn't seem to know what to do with itself. Yeah, it's like ah, uh, and then maybe he's nice near the end, and it's like it doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. It's just this movie that exists for one scene, but unlike Home Alone, that one scene is. In the, the first the third of the movie. Yeah. Well, luckily, a lot of that gets addressed in Santa Claus 2. No! So, we're going to watch that right now. No! We'll be right back in just a few minutes. <laughs> no! Just kidding. We're done. Thanks for listening, everybody. What do you think? Are we wrong? Uh, you know we're not. You know we're not. You know we're not, but if you want to pretend like we are, 615-576-0525. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the podcast if it's interesting um you can email us curse a lot (laughs) well you are allowed to curse we are designated explicit (laughs) um (laughs) you can email us you're in a child is an idiot at gmail.com you can find us at y-i-c-i-a-i on twitter you can find us on instagram you can find us on facebook um i have been neglecting to say this but i want to thank uh russ weaver for his song top of two who we've been using as our ad music uh and I want to thank our current patrons. You can become a patron yourself at patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. I want to thank Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Jonathan Day. Ghosts in the Burbs. And Joshua Nicholson. Thank you guys for supporting us. You're helping us uh, buy this awesome rug that I have in the studio now. Oh, yeah. To absorb sound. Um, and these foams in the ceiling and, and walls. Those were free. Oh, that's what I meant. And also I put them up crooked. Um, yeah. But it was really hard, and I didn't want to do it again. Those are two good points. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Give me I am loving. I am loving. Christmas presents, too. Yeah. There you that's go. what they should have done. Yeah. Anyway, bye. Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities.